Welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest, and folks, I'm not gonna lie to you, this episode's this episode's gonna be a little weird. We've got some very interesting comics that are very of their time and are gonna need a little bit of an explanation because some things uh I'm not I'm just no, I'm not gonna take it lightly, folks. Uh there was a lot of uh Sega meddling involved in these comics, and when we get to them, you'll understand what I mean. But but we are setting up for something. That's not important right now. Come on, man. It's not. It's hey, not look. Important. I know. I know. No, no, I kind of no, believe no, in no, transparency. No. I understand no. that we have a narrative, but look. Hey, man. Listen. All I said last time was, you know, let's 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 talk about dinosaurs. Right. I just talked. Said, you know, I was thinking about dinosaurs the other day. Right. Yeah, yeah. I love dinosaurs. I, like I love dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. Big old T Rex. Right. But yeah. you know, they all went extinct. It sucks. Yeah. You know, I wish I could see him again. Right. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, we have we have a couple really good comics for you today. We actually only have two mainline Sonic issues, but that's okay. Next episode, we're gonna <laughs> you, you'll get yeah, your we, money's we have worth. A, yeah yeah you'll get your money's worth. All right, so Sonic the Hedgehog issue two forty one. Ian Flynn writing. Stephen Butler is the artist. Now we open Sonic Tails and Amy are team fighters following the Death Egg once again. Tracker that Tails put on it works like a charm. Inside the hangar, Eggman is trying to find some bots to swat at them before any major moves can be done. Although Cubot finds something on the floor. Little vine. And picks it up to show Eggman. He's like, hey boss, what what was this thing? And he sees that it's a cutlet from the Krudzu hybrid Hydra. I could plug this thing into any of my machines. Now why is it here? That's a, well, actually, we kind of do know why it's here now that I remember. It just flashed into my head. Yeah, it's it's very funny that this just shows up out of nowhere. Hmm. Wonder why that could be. Yeah, funny, funny, funny. So, Eggman has an idea. I could have this thing in one of my machines. Take it over. Uh, yes. Eggman's got a good idea. Then outside the Death Egg, we see some flying badniks come out from underneath the, the Death Egg, trying to encounter team fighters, and they are ready to fight. Tails thinks the sooner we can get this over with, the sooner we can get home. I don't like the idea of leaving them behind with Nagus on the throne. Speaking of our uh, insane individual... Nagus is having a mental breakdown as he attempts to contain the three souls within him and maintain correction. It's not going well. As his body continues to morph, crab parts uh, flying out of it, essentially. In order to to help, Jeffrey St. John walks into his room, bringing him his scepter. All right, King Nagus, you got a full day ahead. You got to make yourself presentable. So while Nagus cures himself, he thinks that Jeffrey has been acting uh, quite surely since the incident under the city. So he thinks to himself, you got to keep an eye. Uh, out on him first on the agenda today we are swearing in the newest counselor from the emergency election we see king nagus swearing in the newest counselor with the sword of light who is 
Isabella Mongoose, Mina's mother. Fun little note is that he has like a tarp around the hilt because the Sword of Light burns his skin. Wow. Dark magic user is allergic to light magic. Kingdom Hearts. I love Kingdom Hearts. With Isabella sworn in. (laughs) (laughs) With Isabella sworn in, she's offered to start the day's proceedings. And she begins introducing the motion to overturn Nicole's exile. Nagus is pissed. Screams, slams at the table, and uh, regains cool, saying that the city already voted that he protects the city. She responds, With all due respect, your highness, the recent attack proved you can't. Team Freedom saved you, and they drove back Dr. Eggman. Nicole could have given us advanced warning. Fair point, fair point. It's all fair, and, you know, we see some counselors, like, bickering amongst themselves, you know. There was public concern at the time, but with the recent attacks... You know, at the very least, she could monitor the systems, and, you know, the castle could also be rebuilt. Jeez. And with these talks, Nagus, Nagus is a very, very angry boy. But in his anger, his body is beginning to mutate again. Small tentacles beginning to protrude from his claw hand. And there he says, uh, 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 I'm feeling ill. Call me if you need the tie-breaking vote. Yeah, he just dips. So we head back to the coast, where team fighters... Taking on the offensive, fighting against a giant metal Sonic. This Titan Metal Sonic, once again, falls from the Death Egg's hatch and gets up. But it's just the shell of it because it's covered in the vines of the Kredzu Hydra and it screams, Once again, this time you're mine, Sonic. Inside the Death Egg. Orbot kind of questions Eggman for this. You know, you destroyed this for trying to kill Sonic last time, boss. Yeah? But now it serves my purpose. Full speed ahead. This leads team fighters to swoop down to fight the Kredzu Titan. Sonic says, I'll I'll explain what this thing is later, but right now we need to stop it before it gets any stronger. This next scene, guys, is, uh... This is my favorite of this comic. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Here it comes. Elysia and Max sit as as max's jesus christ this man's i literally looks you ever watch breaking bad you know the it's been so long i i i've only seen the first two seasons you know the guy the 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 crime boss who who dings the bell that's max that's max that that's what max is right now he's just gone right nagus walks up to him hello max I've come to visit my poor ailing friend. As, uh, Max is just kinda... Not, not there at all. He's just gone. So, Nagus continues, you know, I watched you grow up from a boy to a king to a leader in the Great War. Then banishment. And, you know, it was because of me. I protected you in the Zone of Silence back when you were so strong and healthy. So, with that tirade going on alicia like, stops him and says hey my husband's not well get to your get to your point nagus says hey look listen i'm here to offer max a new lease on life restore him with my crystalline magic but listen all you gotta do all right all you gotta do entertain me with a contract all will be well everything's good but then obviously Matt uh, he's, he's yeah, thinking you like, know, hey, even even hey. in even in his brain dead state, he's just like No. Yeah, he musters <laughs> the will to just say No. No. Yeah. And uh Alicia basically just gets in front of him, Nagus, and says, 
He has given you an answer. Now kindly leave us in peace. He is the beloved. I don't know about that one, chief. Former king, and you look no healthier. Leave, or we will see who the guards truly favor and how you fare against them. Okay, so Alicia is doing the right thing. Oh, and by the way, just to, to add on a little, after Alicia stands up for Max, Max actually musters the will to say thank you with tears in his eyes, which is a rare Max respecting women moment. Not only that, it... it finally shows a little bit of humanity in this character because i mean let's be honest like this character is like literally withering away in front of our eyes and every time we see him it looks like he's getting worse so to have this like one little simple diamond in the sand makes me feel something for this guy you know yeah absolutely it's it's pretty impressive and now all the misogyny is transferred over to nagas and he said ah oh, this fucking fucking woman god damn it yeah fucking <laughs> women fucking <laughs> Bitches, I fucking hate women. <laughs> Damn, bro, go go on our brain cells, why don't you? So, and even worse, his former selves mock him. Those are the brain cells mods. Uh, <laughs> for being unable, you can't even take over the body of a feeble old man, letting the powerless woman get in your way. <laughs> wow. Wow, they're misogynists too. Holy fuck. Now just thinks, all right, no, 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 the plan works. Just need a different vessel. We then move to Sonic's house. And Nagus offers a similar deal to Jules, Sonic's Robian father, and offers him a contract. I'll de-roboticize you like I did with Bunny. But just, you know, disagree the contract. Disagree with the contract. But Jules, with his wife Bernadette saying, why do you need a contract? You didn't need to do a contract for Bunny. Uh, nature of the spell. Well, and the bunny thing was a different situation. Yeah. Bernadette takes it away. She says the reason why Jules is still a Robian, despite mass de-roboticization, is because the guy has old war wounds. You don't want to risk anything on a process you can't explain besides being magic. Plus, do you honestly think that you don't have a motive here when you could have offered this treatment at any given time after you changed bunny? Plus, you're the man who nearly drove the Mobians and Robians into civil war, was the bitter enemy of my mentor, and most importantly, you tried to kill my son. No, sire, I will not be taking you up on your offer. Kindly conjure your way out the door. Based. Based. There's just great lines there. Yeah, yeah, great words. I mean, it's the truth, though. Nobody fucking likes this character. Nagus just leaves bitterly once again, as he mutters, Ah, oh, it's no surprise the Quickster is so intolerable. It's genetic. And then the mutations start getting worse. He's like, I'm getting out of, running out of time. Team Fighters is still dealing with the Titan Crudzu on the shore. Tails mentions that Teapot pulled its data file. The Crudzu's weak to water. Good thing we're at the beach. So, easy peasy. Sonic homing attacks through its body. Topples over. Right into the ocean. We're all good. Sonic says he's a little charred, but in a way, he says it reminds him of Nagus. All that power on the outside... No substance on the inside. True, 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 true. We then move to the Coliseum in New Mobotropolis. Mina and the band are preparing for another Goodwill concert. Uh, next on Nagus' agenda is that he had to make a public appearance as the king. He remembers how he stoked fear against the AI. Doesn't really need them changing course if that's what's going to happen here. And then once they're set up, Mina starts talking to the Coliseum. 
The last concert was meant to be about empowerment, but the message got lost and clouded in my own fears. So today, I want the message to be one of love, understanding, and forgiveness. The concert tonight is dedicated to someone who's given everything for us, but now needs us to stand up for her. This concert is dedicated to Nicole. Nagus's response, I'm going to vomit. Jeffrey's response to that, public image. Sit. Oh, boy. The minds, the voices, they're back. They're mocking him again. And Nagus is, is seething. He's so sick of this, having to appeal to the fickle public, the brain senses, the mutations, and these voices. But then, another change. Vanilla and Cream. Cream says that she lost the Tails doll somewhere, but Vanilla says, eh, don't worry about it. It's probably at home somewhere. But Cream says, no, I brought it along. And then we move underneath the stage. The Tails doll's receiver activates. Just as Mina is about to begin her set, the bandmates are all electrocuted, prompting Rotor and the rest of Team Freedom into action. Off the stage. And thankfully, they were able to move fast enough to save everyone. They're safe on the ground. Mina still got the mic in hand, saying, All right, everyone. Big ups to Team Freedom for saving the day. And crowd cheers on cue. Then Mina takes the opportunity. Says, This is another reason we need Nicole back. If she were here, this wouldn't have happened. She and Team's Freedom and Fighters really need our support. We need to be there for our heroes. And the crowd cheers in agreement. They're chanting, We want heroes! Nicole! Heroes! Nicole! And, um, Nagus is, uh... He's kind of falling apart at the fucking seams, right? <laughs> Speaking of that, Jeffrey places Nagus down, and Nagus says, You saved me. You are loyal. Jeffrey, uh, just punches his head. Disbelief. Quirks aside, you taught me to be strong and self-reliant. I thought you could bring those ideals to Movetropolis. Watch your words. No! You listen to mine. You betrayed my city with that stupid stunt you pulled underground. It's a miracle you were stopped. You're sick, you're twisted, and you're wrong. And I'm no better. Makes me a lousy person to judge. Look, I don't know what it was like in the Order of the Ixus. All the lies and backstabbing might have been needed back then and it served me as a spy. But those days are behind us. The city is full of charitable, forgiving folk. It's the one place in the world blokes like us can let our guard down and truly do good. Are you so naive as to think they would offer us their trust? To offer redemption? You heard the crowd. They're ready to bring back Nicole already. I arrested Sonic once, and he put it behind him for pity's sake. My point is, I know you're sick. Have been said Eggman did his whiteout attack of trying to trick your way out of it. Instead of trying to trick your way out of it, how about asking for help? Just this once. All right, I'm saying it. Another rare Jeffrey W. We 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 have we have obtained a a modicum of understanding. He has dropped the cuck act. Yeah, he's finally realized it. Uh, I guess that last little incident with uh, the secret freedom fighters and all that shit that went down. Yeah, he he's finally taken the lessons to heart. He fucked up, and he's been played this whole time. And he can't really back out of it, as we talked about. So, life's not too hot. Life is never kind to Jeffrey St. John. No, Nagus is thinking on his words. The voices are just interrupting, though. Like, wow, you're weak and gullible. You're, you're thinking that? You're entertaining this idea? But in his, in his mind palace, Nagus agrees with them. Then Nagus puts his hand on Jeffrey. Says he remembers something. 
You entered into a contract with me years ago when you became my apprentice. You will be my vessel. Jeffrey tries to resist. He's screaming for his life. But next we see Jeffrey's body. He's forming a plume of smoke. And then when it's all reformed, we see Nagus' eyes in his and his deranged face. So ah, I, I, I have to ask, is this justified? I, I don't want to say anything too far ahead, but is this justified? Yes. Yes. There is only one way this could have ended with this character, and I think this is a fitting end. Unfortunately, even though he was trying to atone, this is just who Nagus is. It's, uh, it's payback and it's uh, karma. Karmic retribution. Fortunately, that's the last of that scene. The next day we see Chuck welcoming Nicole back into the city under a monitored condition, overturning the exile on unanimous consent. And Nicole's thankful, but asks, well, was it really unanimous? But, uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey walks in, saying it is now. Master's too ill to attend, but he does offer his full support. And he tells the council something. The king is dying. And in despair. He's doing all he can to save the city in his final hours. But I talk some sense into him. Nicole, can you please find a way to heal him? And she has a very, uh, non-willing look on her face. Yeah, she looks extremely concerned. There's, uh... She knows something's up. She can tell. <laughs> Meanwhile, though, the final scene of this issue. <laughs> uh, oh. Team Fighters! <laughs> Team Fighters is on Eggman's tail, but they were too late. Eggman already attacked and raised Albion, the homeland of the Echidnas. That's the end of issue 241. And uh, dare I say... It's the beginning of the end. You guys you guys like dodo birds? Dodo birds are cute. I've seen so many pictures of dodo birds. Did Phineas and Ferb ever find a dodo bird? I don't think so. They may have found one. You know, last last dodo bird. You know, but most of them are extinct. A shame. Oh, well. Well, that could be about. So, folks, this next issue is going to be a little different. So, this next issue is Sonic Universe 45. However, we've gotten a little accustomed to Sonic Universe being these four-issue story arcs right the thing is is that this is a little different sonic universe 45 is a standalone issue because it's a non-canon adaptation slash advertisement for sonic and sega all-stars racing transformed which is by the way an amazing game that is probably one of the best modern kart racers ever designed extremely tactical excellent mechanics Super fun casually, incredibly fun competitively, tons of content, tons of customization, so many good-ass characters from so many franchises. Honestly, it's incredible. I agree 100%. It's definitely the best, like, Sonic racer there is to this day. And if you don't have it, folks, like, you could probably go wait for the summer sale on Steam and get that for, like, 10 bucks. And it's the best $10 you'll ever spend, I promise you. It's it's absolutely fantastic. So we are going to talk about a lot of different Sega franchises uh, in this section. Yeah, uh, but it's going to be a little interesting because um, there's yeah. a so some caveats. So Flynn and Yardley are the creative team on this issue. We open with Tails being front and center, but there are other Sega characters here. There's Beat from Jet Set Radio, I I from Super Monkey Ball, uh, Vice, Skies of Arcadia. 
Yes, that's my boy. That's my fucking boy. I will go to bat for Vice. I think Vice is one of the coolest motherfuckers. Sago, re release Skies of Arcadia Legends on Steam. Do it. Just, just please. Please, God, just re-release it! It's so good! Dude, okay, I have a story about this. So a couple years ago, I was at MegaCon, and some guy, some, like, uh, like, retro game seller, there's stand there, was selling Skies of Arcadia Legends for $100, right? Sadly, I did not have enough to buy it, because I, I, only cash. That's my rule at cons. However, the next day, because I, I think that was, like, the last day of the con, out of curiosity, I looked on eBay, average was 250 dollars i've never been more mad at myself i'm of the opinion skies of arcadia if it had uh the load screen fix well okay the it's a two it's a two-pronged problem right skies of arcadia on the dreamcast has a way too high high random encounter rate skies of arcadia legends fixes the encounter rate but it destroys the audio quality so we need a perfect version where we get the legends content with the fixed audio Skies of Arcadia is, is a RPG classic, great story, great characters, great combat, really fun, really expressive, really just an excellent, well, a super well-made game. It, it's, it's, it has a very special place in my heart. If, if you like Tales of, you'll like Skies of Arcadia. Absolutely. Also, there's someone else here. Uh, what do my notes say? Uh, hold on. Uh, uh, Danica Patrick from Real Life NASCAR. Wait, what? Uh, what? Oh, yeah, that's right. Sega Sega had Danica Patrick in this game for some reason. Look, you know, I, I, I know you guys need money to, to make games, but, like, this is a little silly, guys. This is a little silly. Regardless, the second annual All-Star Grand Prix. They're here to win the fastest race title. This race is being set on Crescent Isle on Angel Island. And, of course, Eggman shows up to cause problems nobody really wants him here but they had to invite him back because he was in the race last year to be fair but eggman sends once once he wins the race i will conquer all your worlds and none of you stand a chance especially not with sonic here but sonic flies back in on his car transforming from a plane into the car as he lands fashionably late 15 minutes with starbucks in hand as usual you understand the stakes uh, it's all smooth like countdown goes and on green, racer speed off. Eggman is near the back, so he jumps ahead, side bumps I.I. and tails his cars off the tracks, but they transform into their flight mode, so they're fine. Eggman comes up behind beaten Sonic, and again causes more problems, and um, fires missiles on them. This is supposed to be the... Uh, it's a super. It's a it's super. A That's his super. So he clears a path, and then on the water segment, cars transform into boats, Eggman's gaining on Vice and grazes his vehicle from under him, but Sonic's able to stabilize by crashing on the other side. Vice thanks him for that, saying, Oh man, Sonic, you, you'd make a pretty great blue rogue. Yeah, well, I, I got the color down. I, I, I love this interaction so fucking much. Yeah, I, this is, and also so does Ian. This is definitely a, uh, a scene he wrote for himself. Yes, because Ian is a based Giga Chad, and if he had the opportunity, he would write the Skies of Arcadia uh, webcomic, you know, or the Skies of Arcadia comic. Yeah, so Eggman's in the lead. Tails warns Sonic, yeah, it's not looking good for us, but Sonic gets everyone on his side, going together, and we'll get on him, so step on it. So Tails transforms into a plane to skip in front of Eggman. He's distracted. Beat drives up to tag Eggman's car with his GG logo. Pisses him off. As I.I. and Vice speed past as he cleans the paint off. And that's when he realizes everyone sped past him. So now Eggman is super angry. Coming from behind firing more missiles on everybody. 
Sonic and Vice are on the defensive. Sonic Hoving attacks missiles. Vice slices them with his sword. But some missiles break down on the ground in front of them. Everyone falls down as Eggman transforms his car into a plane. Then Eggman shouts out, Ah, sorry, Sonic. Looks like you're too slow. <laughs> and with that, wow. that's personal to Sonic. The car comes into a plane, flies back to Eggman's side. Sonic bumps into him. As just does Tails and everyone else just fucks with Eggman to deny him his victory. And when he's left in the dust, everyone else crossed the finish line. He flies away in defeat. But unfortunately, Tails says, we, we, we all crossed the finish line, but um, we weren't paying attention to see who won. So Sonic says, oh, well, guess another race is in order. No, another sweet track. And then they're seen racing down the Starlight Carnival and the story ends there. So kind of rush through that a little bit just because this is literally an advertisement. But I mean, All-Stars Racing Transform is still a great game, guys. Like, I highly recommend it. I I could not agree more. The, the thing is about this uh, comic, though, is, uh, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the fantasy element is broken because of Danica Patrick, a real-life human being. Ah uh, yes, it's it's the Danica Patrick, bro. She's she's literally just here. It's so weird. Yeah, I mean the thing I didn't write this down, but in the scene where Eggman uh talked about how he's gonna conquer all worlds, he goes into detail saying that he'll clean up Tokyo too. I's banana horde will be for himself. And then he says in relation to Danica Patrick, all your victories will be worthless. And it's like bro- it, the the tension is broken. The fantasy is gone. Like I. God, I hate NASCAR so fucking much. I know you did what you had to do, Ian. And you know what? I appreciate all the Sonic and Vice interactions because I know that was for you. But it made me feel a little better reading it. So thank yeah. you. All right. So um, to follow up on the uh, weird crossover train, uh, we are now going to the Olympics. <gasps> Folks, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. But Nintendo's not fucking giving them the license for this. So it's just Sonic at the Olympic Games. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's so uh, weird, man. Yeah, it's uh, very, 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 very weird. Regardless, Sonic 242, Flynn and Peppers are the creative team. And of course, it goes without saying this isn't canon. Jesus Christ. Sonic is doing some track and field practice. Tails catches up to him, and uh, at least this is funny. There's a little moment where Sonic sees the Olympic logo, which is five multicolored circles overlapping each other, and Sonic is just reaching out for the gold ring. uh that's cute that's cute yeah it's uh it's it's pretty cute most of this comic though is so nothing do we do we have to talk about it except for like maybe the ending where there's a really really funny like they had to fucking include this line well i i I wrote that there actually is some funny things so i'm gonna go through them as fast as i can basically the gist is that Eggman is disguised to basically have everyone, like, not be able to compete so he can win by default all the medals for himself. So Knuckles, Silver, Big are at the hammer throw. They're all, like, gamered, basically. (laughs) Same thing with Rouge, Blaze, and Amy practicing the 100-meter dash. Marine and Cream are the ones to realize something's going on, so they're gonna go off to investigate. This one I actually do kind of like. Sonic, Tails, and Shadow are practicing the long jump, and I just like the dialogue here. So Tails went first, Shadow's next, and Sonic says, Hey. You're up for the long jump, faker. I know. No using chaos control to cheat. It won't. I mean it. That'd be lame. He used his tails, you know. He totally didn't. You can shut up at any time. Ultimate crybaby. 
<laughs> Alright, that's pretty good. Tails is abducted by giant caterpillars when Marine and Cream try to warn them. Sonic and Shadow are able to destroy one, but Sonic destroys the second after it abducts Shadow. Then Eggman reveals himself. I want to claim the Olympic glory for myself, but I got a bad back or whatever, so Metal Sonic's my replacement. You can't, why is a robot competing in the Olympics, bro? This is shit. <laughs> there is a two-page spread of Metal Sonic and Sonic facing off at different events. They can't do swimming, so they're just staring at the the pool, like, <laughs> mouth agape. Nah, bro. Nah, bro. The the panel is pretty great. It's it's literally just Metal Sonic looking at the pool, just like, like honestly, it has some, has some Guts Berserk 1997 soundtrack Jesus. Okay, just looking at the water. <laughs> Jesus right. Christ. So look, there's all but there's also a little panel of a uh, Metal Sonic ribbon twirling. I think that's nice. Yeah, it's very cute. I, I would like to point out now. So Sonic is down on his luck. He's got one more event left, which is the hundred meter dash. Last event. If he wins, he wins the whole thing. And he looks to the Olympic rings and he gains. The spirit of hope, friendship, unity, peace, and competition, empowered with the Olympic spirit. This is just the Ultra Instinct aura. I'm sorry. Yeah, it really is just the Ultra Instinct aura. It's kind of horrible. It's it's really horrible. Is Holy this another fuck. super form? Do we count this? Olympic Sonic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. Uh, he dashes away from Metal Sonic, jumps on the capsule at the end that frees all of his friends. So Eggman's defeated. Uh, Sonic says, hey, you know, despite all this, this is, you know, this is pretty fun. So why don't, why don't we do the events for real this time? And that's the end of that story. Sega, you really did just mandate this, huh? Yeah, they really just forced it the fuck in. Man, well... That's a whatever, because we do have a story B that is canon, folks. <laughs> it's ghost sure is canon, all right. So Flynn and Pepper is once again the creative team. Team Fighters, still fighting some egg ponds in the air. Sonic and Amy doing their one-shots. Tails bombs them with missiles. They're cleaned out. Man, the Echidna homeland's not doing so hot right now, and oh boy. Oh, Knuckles is not going to be happy. Speaking of, we see him in a, and I quote, secret base on Angel Island. Knuckles is hot-wiring something together. And we see Nicole on screen. Says, yeah, you know, I can see you. I can pick up all the other system too. So, you know, this is actually pretty good, Knuckles. I know tech isn't really your thing, per se. So why are you doing all this? I thought you didn't really agree with your ancestors' ways. Especially when you lost control and tried to wipe everything out. Yeah, look, I know, and I'm sorry for that. I, I would want to keep things simple. He's talking about the Enerjack issue. Hmm... Hmm. I'm very sorry. I want to keep things simple. But you know, with half the Chaotix gone looking for Mighty and Ray, I really do need all the help I can get. Nicole says she's grateful, though, for being asked to test the system. I appreciate your trust, man. But they get a message from somebody. Knuckles is like, I want to know who this is. So he lets it play. It's broken by signal interference, but the message says that they are under attack by the Death Egg. They're begging for help. This is Rem, this message on a loop, but Knuckles understood enough. The last of his people are under attack, and he's the guardian. It is my duty to help, even if I can't look them in the eye. So I got to rally the girls, and with the warp ring in hand, he flips it, flies out next to the tornado flying down by their side. That's the end of 242. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, you know, I'm just, I don't know why, man, endangered species and extinct animals are just, they're, they're just on my mind today. You know, it's, it's a Friday. I'm really tired. I'm really ready to just go, I don't know, a little extinct. Um, <laughs> you ever, you, you ever, you ever think about Tasmanian tigers? Devils, you mean? Aren't they called Tasmanian devils or am I? No, no I'm pretty sure Tasmanian devils still actually. Tasmanian devils are endangered. Tasmanian tigers are extinct. But, you know, it's interesting that Tasmanian devils and Tasmanian tigers are, are sort of very similar in that way, you know? They're they're once endangered, once extinct. Huh, you know, it's it's Yeah, it's well, a... that's very weird. I don't know what that could be about, you know. Hey. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's just it's just on the mind. Now back to the main stuff, or the main stuff, and the side stuff, because now the meat of the episode is already here. In Sonic Universe, Sonic Universe 46, folks, who doesn't love a Chaotix art? Come on, come on, come on. Ah, the Chaotix. Knuckles and his friends. Well, not Knuckles so much, but just the boys. Knuckles is a little busy right now, you know? Good old Vector, good old Charmy, and good old Espio. Mm-hmm. Back at it again on some great detective work. Uh, they're tons of fun to be around. And frankly, I think the comic does a really good job of characterizing them. Oh yeah, 100%. One of one of the best things that I think they did was they gave some really unique character to Espio, which is a character, you know, that really did not have any aside. Mysterious Ninja Man. So I, I'm actually a really big fan of, of what they what they did with Espio. So I want to see how that's sort of expanded. What What dynamic do we get with these four characters? Three. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll come across it. Sonic Universe issue 46 for the Yardley, the creative team. And so we begin. The Chaotix are in Mercea. Vector has a legionnaire in his hands demanding to know, hey, where are Mighty and Ray? But Espio just say, hey, Vector, we got priorities here, but we haven't been here for even five minutes and immediately get jumped by the Doc's goons. But Espio reminds him, we got to hold our own if we want to find them, lest we get captured as well. I promise I'd keep Charmy safe. But speaking of, Charmy calls out to them from the sky. He's seeing something. There's a lot more Legionnaires coming in with giant robots called goons. Giants for offensive occupation and nullification. So I'm not going to lie. I don't, I truly don't know if this is an Ian creation because this kind of sounds like something Mike Gallagher would come up with. Feels very like early 90s, like in, in that way. It feels very silly, very tongue in cheek, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Don't want to, like, cast stones, but I'm just saying, man. These things are new, but the Chaotix have faced worse, so let's get one of these, uh... Let's see what we can do, boys. But then one of the goon robots gets hit by an exploding arrow and falls over, taking others with it. And this arrow was shot by one Bo Sparrow, the leader of the Mersean Freedom Fighters. His squad rush in. Alan Quayle, their bard. Munchrat is their uh, muscle. Friar Buck, he's not a fighter, but more of a spiritual guide. And Thorn the Lob, a hand-to-hand combat expert. So the Chaotix rush in, now that they have the support of some Freedom Fighters. Vector comes in next to Alan, and the two uh, bite the wires off a goon robot, shorting it out. Adorable. Love this. The interaction they have is great, too. Munchrat asks Vector how his bite is, uh, and he replies, as fearsome as my good looks. (laughs) Classic. Uh, Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I like this a lot. So they take out the rest of them as the two groups introduce each other. How do you feel about these characters? So they're interesting because, I mean, they play their role pretty well, although uh, there there's some things about them that do feel a little off 
but unfortunately it's not the time to talk about them let's that's your breadcrumb trail to follow kids uh (laughs) so they win the day they're introducing each other but spo points out hey i thought the mersean king was your leader and Bo points out well He's gone along with his wife and child, unfortunately. They're missing, and we fear the worst. So, Bo took on the mantle in order to carry on his will. And Vector says, oh, that's convenient. Uh, We've been looking for someone missing as well. By any chance, have you guys come across two people named Mighty and Ray? They all sort of just glance. Bo says, we have, but not in some time. Come, there is much to discuss. The Chaotix are invited into the Mersane Freedom Fighters base, a network of treehouses. So they're asked, why are you guys looking for Mighty and Ray? Well, Espio says that when Mighty learned his sister was still alive, uh, his his source didn't really have much to go off on. So uh, they he and Ray went together to look on their own. Charmy also adds, they sent letters to the Warp Ring, but after a while, letters stopped coming. And eventually the warp ring came back by itself. The last letter said they were going to Mersea, so this was the place to start our investigation. Then Bo adds, they did in fact come through here, uh, but the battle was much different. And then we have a little little scene of a goon robot being single-handedly trashed by Mighty. And then they start to sing. They do a musical rendition about how everything got together. Mighty and Ray already defeating the robots and the legionnaires. But then Lop cuts them off. Guys, I think... They think they'd rather hear the non-musical version. When they met Mighty, they swapped stories. Bo said it was the last king of Mersea who punished his parents for their crimes and exiled Mighty for his uncanny strength. Bo, though, said at the end of the day, I serve the king, and I was ready to sacrifice his life in Rob's name. But Mighty only said, hey, what's past is past, and brings him in for a hug. Though, Bo says he still feels the pain in his ribs. Fryer said, When Eggman first took over the land, he saved the kingdom's resources and censuses in our base. And when he showed it to Mighty, he found that his sister was in an orphanage until she was roboticized. Five years ago. Now, if you don't remember, we did actually get a look at Mighty's sister. Remember when Sonic was in the Down Under Oil Ocean dispute with Bunny? Yeah, if you don't remember, there was another armadillo there. And it's pretty heavily implied on the nose that it is Mighty Sister. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) SBO thinks aloud that, you know, at least it showed that she was alive. And presumably she didn't age in the time she was roboticized. So, but what about after everyone returned to normal? Vector wants to see them continue, but we don't know anything else after that. You know, SBO's ninjutsu doesn't exactly equal magic. I just, I I do want to point out, the sigh is one of annoyance, but it's also probably one of extreme depression, heartbreak, and sadness, knowing that his friend is this far gone. But Espio has a plan. Let's sneak into the castle, get access to the egg net, see where all the Robians were moved around to. Bo said Mighty thought the same thing, and we were going to do that, but morning of, Eggman's minions snuck into the forest and just burned everything down to try to find the hideout. Mighty refused to take the opportunity to go into the castle while they're distracted, and he very valiantly helped us along. And then, the bard Alan continues to play his lute to sing the rest of the story. Mighty and Ray step in step with the Mersean Freedom Fighters, fighting off Legionnaires, burning the forest down, and won that night. And even Charmian Vector sing along, too. It's a cute moment. I like it. 
It's it's adorable. SBO at one point interrupts the song and says, they're just going to keep going, aren't they? There's no softing it. At least your friends can carry a tune, you know? It's Hey. <laughs> it's 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 cute. It's very cute. Bo continues that we used the chaos to get into the castle, but Mighty wanted to continue fighting, but Bo says, this kingdom owns a debt to you. There would be no better chance. Go and rescue who you love. So Mighty and Ray set off, and that was the last they saw of them. We thought they succeeded their mission, but they probably sent the warp ring back to keep it out of Lord Hood's hands. But Espio thinks, then why wouldn't he just use the warp ring to escape? But Vector then thinks the best place to check is the dungeons. He offers the Mersean Freedom Fighters to come along. Bet you guys got friends you'd like to rescue. Take them up on their offer. Frere pulls out a blueprint of the castle. There's a secret entrance that leads right into the heart that Lord Hood hasn't discovered yet. Unfortunately, we haven't used it to try to take him out, because even if we do, in a week he'd just be replaced. Too many people in Marseille live out in the open, and he raids often, just capturing and legionizing people. So our plan? The people inside the dungeon, including Mighty and Ray, and if they're not there, we access the Eggnet to see where they could have gone. The next night. The Chaotix and the Versailles Freedom Fighters sneak their way into the castle unseen. Meanwhile, inside the dungeons, Lord Mordred Hood is seen trying to hypnotize a prisoner to give the location of the Freedom Fighters hideout. So, for the record, this guy's a cobra snake, so this... This, like, hypnotizing thing probably is a Jungle Book illusion. Yeah, some some kind of Jungle Book illusion, I think. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that well. The prisoner says the hideout's in the Deerwood Forest, but he says this whole stinking country's in the Deerwood Forest. As a legionnaire calls to Lord Hood, the Freedom Fighters are making their way out through the secret passage. Oh, well, that's about time. feel like an idiot this whole time keeping it open just for a simple trap. But don't sound the alarm. Let them get well within our defenses. Hood turns on the monitors, seeing the Mersean Freedom Fighters and the Chaotix make their way. If they want to get into the dungeon so bad, let them. Make sure they can never leave. That's the end of issue 46, and, uh, I don't know, do you have any thoughts on, uh, this Lord Hood character? I, I, I think this is, like, somewhat interesting. Yeah, I mean, I like the design. I think it's cute. Uh, he appeared in a previous universe arc, but he is a snake. And his legionization actually added arms and legs to him, which is pretty unique, all things considered. I am also of the opinion that um, the idea of the... Wait, what am I saying? You know what I forgot about? Robo the Hedge. Remember remember him? Yeah, we name drop him a second ago, but yeah, I wonder what happened to him. wonder where he's at. Yeah, I really, really do, man. Hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's okay, because, you know, he's, uh, he's Amy's cousin. I feel like he'd be more important to the story. Yeah, I would think so as well. Sonic Universe issue 47, folks. Flynn and Yardley, the creative team. To begin with, we actually have a prologue at the Oil Ocean Refinery. Ooh. Oh, hey, we just talked about what? that. What? No, no way, dude. So we see some Legionnaires fighting the Sandblast Freedom Fighters. One of them in a tank just fires on them as someone lifts the tank over their head and chucks it away. Scrapping it in the process. Jack, the Sandblast leader, congratulates this person. We kind of get a look, good look at him. We can tell it's Mighty, wearing a little flat cap. He responds to Jack's praise. Hey, you know me, boss. I'm just earning my keep. Interesting. Now, in Mersea, under the castle on the way to the dungeons, the Chaotix and the Mersean Freedom Fighters find two separate passageways. So the team split up. The Freedom Fighters will go through the dungeons. Vector will lead the Chaotix to... <clears throat> find the computer room. <laughs> laugh! Laugh! Fun. Laugh! 
Different time, different era. They made their way. Iron bars fly up from the water, blocking the two entryways. Vector isn't strong enough to open the way, but Charmia is small enough to slip through the bars and finds a manual release switch, freeing both the Chaotix and the Mersean Freedom Fighters after Charmy gets to the second switch. But this means now Lord Hood knows we're here, so we gotta change tactics. This is gonna be risky, but they give the Warp Ring to Bo to go directly to the dungeons. Vector comments, hey Espio, your new plan here better be good, and not like you running off to join the bad guys again. What's your damage, Vector? I thought we were past this. What the fuck, man? That's a, that's a little fucked up. Come on. But Espio lets it go. The Mersean Freedom Fighters go directly to the dungeons, and the Chaotix continue on through the sewers as loud as possible. They find their way into the castle of self, expecting guards waiting for them at a grate. So Espio, he's camouflaged, he opens the sewer hatch and lets himself in. The guards are confused. He's, you know, they can't see anything. They just saw the latch just open itself up. Uh, the last thing this lousy job needs is ghost hauntings, as... Espio, still camouflage, knocks one of them out. So they think, oh god, there really is a ghost in here. And then Vector pops his head out screaming, Crocodile in the sewers! <laughs> Cute. <laughs> and they run scared. Meanwhile, the Mersean Freedom Fighters are freeing prisoners thanks to the warp ring. Friar tells Bo that the king, his family, nor the Chaotix's friends are here. And then, uh, for the record, I, did, I failed to mention this, but Bo speaks in a, uh, like, Arthurian English accent, let's put it like that. But in this one moment, that accent slips, and he says, Dang it, I hope the Chaotix can find something in there. Careful, sir, your king's speech is slipping. Oh. <laughs> uh, cry your pardon. Wow. Uh, so, uh, maybe related to the Battlebird Armada and to a certain The Hawk? Yeah, I also forgot to mention, his name, he's a sparrow, he's a bird. Probably more related to Wave then, right? Good point. Good yeah. point. Good point. Hey. In the throne room, Lord Hood's chastising the troops for letting the Chaotix just slip by. And where did Bo and the band of idiots go anyway? Then an aide rushes in, tells Lord Hood about the gold portal. According to the Eggnet, that's most likely a warp ring, a teleporter. And then Hood, extremely pissed, demanding troops go to the dungeons right now. Vector and Espio are still looking for the computer room in the hallway, just making noise, wailing on legionnaires on the way. Charmy says he found it, though, and he, uh, our boy Charmy, he handled them. He took care of them. He just, he took care of them. He handled it. When, when, did, you, when did he not, man? Yeah. He does it. There's no door to close, so Vector and Charmy got his stand guard as Espio gets into the system. And he looks in and is like, oh, wow, the password's just password. These fucking amateurs. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man. They, they did not change from the default. Can you imagine? So Espio gets in, and he realizes something. Charmy, Vector, go somewhere else. You're needed. We then see the dungeon. Hood busts through the door, says, Bo, thanks so much for coming in. You know, after chasing off the woodsman who would be king, oh, I never thought I'd get a second chance at crushing another archer beneath my heel. Oh, he's no coward. Not Teen Eggman would target the king's son as you did. For one of his despots, thou art the most basest. Oh, you still talk like him. That's delightful. Hey, take your shot. You only missed seven times before. Bo shoots. It's an explosive arrow near Hood's head. Oh, look at that. That makes eight. The arrow explodes next to him, giving over the Mersean Freedom Fighters to start escaping with the prisoners. But one Legionnaire grabs the warp ring as it begins to close, tries to throw it to Hood, 
but Lop catches it with her spear. Hood is uh, ended up getting hit on the head by a falling rock. Of course, the bard. Alan is singing a tune over the battle. Muncha, little pissed he's not taking this situation seriously. But uh, even as he sings, Alan just like uses his loot as a weapon and just bashing motherfuckers over the head. Can you imagine being such a based bard? <laughs> Some legionnaires are trying to pull Hood out of there, but he's just shaking him off. In his anger, he sends off the hypnosis waves. He screams, on your knees. Now we get this guy's backstory. He was once the royal advisor to the Mersean royal family. For two generations of kings, he tried to bring order, but he was passed up and ignored, and the populace never puts in its place. And tells Bo, you could not have done anything. You couldn't save your king, your people, or even himself. <laughs> and then in Bo's day's state, he just mutters, don't need to. What? Then that's when uh, Vector comes in, screaming, Surprise, sucker! Knocks him out over the head. Hood's out cold. Great Vector moment. Love it. <laughs> the Legion's down and out here. Friar tells everyone, All right, stick together, start heading out. Vector tells them, Okay, guys, we got a plan. Head directly to the outer wall. Meanwhile, Espio's still on the eggnet. He's still browsing. And matching his research, he finds out about a young armadillo girl roboticized and sent off to fight in a place called sandblast city there's currently an eggman outpost out there in the badlands she may have been recaptured and legionized plus this computer shows this information was accessed recently mighty was here we got his trail as sbo leaves he comments fake orders were also sent out and not corrected so looks like vector did his job sbo camos through two guards guarding the castle gate knocks him out cold and opens the door to let everyone out with everyone outside Espio tells Bo, shoot and close the gate, and shoots at the lever. Door closes. Unfortunately, though, between the inner wall and the outside is the entire goon mech army, which uh, they can't exactly fight on their own with the legion on their tail, but Espio just simply asks for the warp ring back. Bo opens the portal directly to their hideout, leading all the rescued prisoners to freedom. Hood is arriving just as the gate is closing, screaming to stop them. But just as they get to the gate, the warp portal closes. Another heroic victory for the Chaotix. Another great day of adventuring done. Uh, as yes. everyone's back safe and sound. Plus, the Chaotix know where to go next. We're confident Mighty will be there. Bo, and then as for the Lost King, Bo asks. Espio says that it seems that Eggman doesn't have information on where he is. They say they lost the trail of him at his family at the Never Lake. But he's smart, so he's probably planning something. Since Bo knows he went to the Never Lake, he knows what's up. He knows where he's at. So, we're grateful for all you did for our cause. Would you like a place to rest for the night? And they gladly accept, even partaking in the festivities. And then, the next day, Sandblast City. The Chaotix arrived pretty far outside the city. Estio saying he did that specifically because the Sandblasters aren't exactly the most kosher of freedom fighters as far as Sonic says. Vector, though, says, like, ah, come on, that guy picks a fight with everybody. You trust Knuckles, don't you? But, uh, right on cue, Vector takes a laser shot at his feet from Jack with the rest of the Sandblasters, thinking they found someone who got lost on their way to join the Baron. So what are you doing in my territory? You got 30 seconds before I beat it out of you. That's the end of issue 47. I feel like this is interesting kind of splitting up the, uh, the locale for the arc. Well, I think it's kind of in Team Chaotix fashion, no? Feels very much like a their story. You know, they're kind of moving around. They're doing some detective work. They've got a lead that they're following. And they're sort of just being heroes along the way. 
Yeah. I, I dig it. It's very, like, uh, very detective work. And then uh, we get to see these little tidbits. Days in the lives of the other freedom fighters, you know? I appreciate times like that. Gives us some more world building. And also gives us some more, like, insight into how the other countries are doing with the Eggman problem. And sort of the general overview of the lay of the land, per se. And then that was issue 47, as we just said. Issue 48, we're just going to move right along. The penultimate issue for this arc. Flynn and Yardley, the creative team. Chaotix, surrounded by sandblasters, and they're jumped. They hold their own for a little while, but after a bit, Charmy's held down by a net. Espio tied with a clamp rope. Vector is still doing all right with his fight, but Jack pulls up, pulling a revolver at his head. Stand down, my trigger finger gets a little itchy. So the three of them, they're led in a chain gang into the city. Jack tells them, around here, guys, we got two kinds of people. Members of the Sandblasters and the Contributes. We bury what's left of the second kind on the desert. Life can be pretty frightful for our, you know, for new recruits, but Jack calls over some of these new guys. Ayo, Flex, Jitters, over here. And he's referring to Mighty and Ray. Vector is relieved to finally found them, but Mighty clamps his mouth, saying, Zip it, Leatherface, when I want you to say something, I'll tell you. Racially motivated, that, uh 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 wow. come on. Wow, wow dude. Mighty, come on. We know you're in deep, but... Come on, not that deep. There's got to be a line somewhere, right? So Jack is like, oh, you know these guys? Yeah, yeah, they're my old gang. They managed to track me down. They're stupid but loyal. Look, let me take them to my place to strain them out. They'll listen to me, but I listen to you. So let me beat the pecking order into them. Jack lets them have at it. Knock yourself out. Or them. (laughs) Uh, uh, So back at Mighty's place, uh... Mighty obviously just kind of breaks it down. Yeah, of course I've been lying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Espio says, you know, we came looking after you when the letters stopped coming in, so we just assumed the worst. So, Mighty tells them with the time we bought, I can tell you what's going on. Mighty worked with the Mersane Freedom Fighters to get access to the Eggnet. He found that his sister was stationed in this area when she was roboticized, and since all the former Robians were still working with Eggman, he needed a way to investigate safely. Despite Sonic warning them the Sandblasters were bad news, we can't exactly just walk up to an Eggman fortress either. So we join the Sandblasters under fake names, but through them, learn boundaries, the way the chapter works, and the ways of the land. Plus, I kind of did have to send the warp ring back so Jack couldn't get his hands on it. Can't exactly pop back into Angel Island with a giant room-sized opening. I did the best I could under circumstances. Besides... Did you really think I joined with the Sandblasters? Are you going to hold that against me like with SBO's Four Houses thing? Bro, come on. We're doing this again? Oh my god. It's it's even better because, you know, in a rare moment of self-reflection, Vector just kind of admits it. Yeah, okay, sometimes I hold grudges. Sometimes. But now we're here and we've got you. You're back. All of us. Adorable. Good for him. A little bit of sober from this guy. The next plan. Next phase. Mighty? I just want to talk to the Baron. You know, considering what I've heard from, this guy actually sounds kind of reasonable. Plus, it being just me would be better than the Sandblaster lunatics. Ray, though, he doesn't want to be left behind. Mighty just says, hey man, look, I I don't want to lose any more family. And if anything, you guys can come help me, okay? The Sandblasters do have a bit of a strict curfew, so... Mighty gives him cover, lets him go off in the dead of night. And as he runs off, Ray admits he's nervous. And he has tears in his eyes. And he tells Vector, you know, Mighty's the only family I've ever had. 
But once he gets his real sister back, would he even want me as a brother? Vector is just like, no, uh-uh, no, 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 listen to me. You heard him. Mighty thinks you're family too. And Charmy adds, hey, don't think of it like you're going to lose a brother. Now you're going to be gaining a sister. That, that's just a really cute little dialogue. I'm... It, it's yeah, a touching I, scene. I, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's it's very nice. I, I like that Ray is so, so you know, overprotective and stuff like that. But Mighty um goes full frontal assault and just completely fucking smashes several tanks and just doesn't care. Not taking a hit, using his armadillo shell. Cool instance of Mighty using his abilities, by the way. We do not ever get to see the super hard shell that often. And when he arrives to the outpost gates... Mighty's waving the white flag. He's surrendering. But one of the legionnaires tells the Baron, Baron Beauregard, hey, this is that new armadillo sandblaster, and the one with the freakish strength. Bo thinks, wait a minute. No, 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 this can't be right. The, you're going to have a kid who can lift a tank over his head just surrender like that? Yeah, this sounds like some sick joke Jack would come up. And, yeah, take him down. Which, uh, by the way, want to point out, continuing fire after surrender is a war crime. Just want to put that out there. Uh, <laughs> Mighty, though. Kind of figures, yeah, this is a little naive to think this could go smoothly. So he uses the force of the bombs to jump over the gate, onto a tank, tears the hatch open, basically just asks the driver, can you arrest me, man? Now the next scene. He's brought inside. Not cuffed, knowing full well that's not going to do any good for him. Then Bo asks him, why did this guy show up out of nowhere, you're more muscle than Jack has ever had before, then just come and surrender? Make it make sense, man. Make it make sense. Mighty simply tells him his story. When he was younger, he lost his baby sister. I work with the Chaotix Freedom Fighters and I infiltrated the Sandblasters to track her down. I've heard you're a decent man, Baron, so I am simply asking, do you have my sister? The Baron is shocked. Fetches Matilda as she walks in. And Mighty is ecstatic. Tilly, you're alive! But she pushes him away. Baron, who is this? Your brother, dear. He wants to know where you've been all this time. And guys, this scene is like, this scene's actually pretty heart-wrenching. So let's uh, do it bit by bit. So Matilda says that she has no family. She grew up in an orphanage. She was told all of her family were criminals, either executed or exiled. She had food and shelter in that orphanage, but nothing else. Eventually, the doctor attacked. I was roboticized, worked and fought. Till one day, I just wasn't a robot anymore. Then, exiled by the sandblasters. Went back to the doctor, legionized. Now I work for the doctor again. That's all. And Mighty, Mighty's distraught. Gets down, he's crying, gets down on his knee to her height. Says, listen, I, I was exiled for trying to... Look, it's a long story, but I'm really sorry I wasn't there for you. But now I'm here, and we can... And she stops him. I'm sorry, but I don't remember you. You mean nothing to me. It's late, Baron. May I turn in for the night? Yes, Matilda. You're dismissed. Now, I would like to point out that 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 Mighty is just standing there, realizing that everything he's been trying to do has meant nothing. Yeah. I, it's, Matilda walks away. Mighty, obviously extremely distraught. And the Baron apologizes to him, saying, hey, man. Her whole life, she was a robot or a slave, and all those experiences left her left her distant. I was really hoping that this would crack the shell she has around her heart. Mighty, Mighty begins to collapse, but Bo holds him up, keeps him steady, and then Mighty, in his broken voice, just simply asks, 
Is she happy? As happy as any of us can be. We've got good folks in this chapter, and I like to think we're one big happy family. And I do make it a point to look after the little ones like her. Mighty just says thank you. And Bo, in response, tells the boys guarding the door, All right, you all forget about what he said. This is just another sandblaster telling another lie. Eggman does not need to be bothered with the events here tonight, understood? Baron, he says, he, at the, for what it's worth, I am sorry. I sympathize with you more than you know. But having you here gives us a lot of trouble. If Eggman knew you were here, or that we had Batilda, Mighty just says, look, I, I understand, okay? Bo says, I'll send word to Jack to do a prisoner exchange in the morning. I'm sure you've got some escape plans once you get back to the city. Till then, we've got to keep up appearances and keep you in the brig. Good night, sir. Mighty, put up in chains, is brought there, spends the night in the cell, just crying. Cries all night long. That man is uh, broken. I, I think that is extremely fucked up. I mean, it all kind of adds up to, I mean, we had a flashback of Mighty, and his younger sister is significantly younger than him. When he was when he was a kid, she was a literal baby, so it makes sense she does not remember him. But still, it hurts. God damn Absolutely. it. It's fucked. Ian, what have you done, man? <laughs> I mean, good job, but like, Jesus Christ, man. No holds barred with this guy. Never is. Now the next morning, the Chaotics are sleeping inside Mighty's house. As Jack breaks the door down, screaming, Yo, what happened to Flex? He grabs Ray by the scarf to ask, like, what's going on? Ray's got a stutter, can't bring the word out. But Espio, still in his calm, meditative state, says he wanted to take the Baron on alone. If anything happened to him, the three of us would make for good replacements. Jack thinks there's nothing you guys could do that could match what he can. But it'll do for now, so you guys are on the front lines. Flex got captured, the moron, and the Baron wants to do a prisoner exchange. And we got the people for it by the dozen, but he knows how much Flex is worth to me. We've done this before, you know, show up with the prisoners, we say some words to each other, they cross the lines, we got to go home. Although, Flex does have the right idea. This time we're not giving anyone up. And the Baron ain't going home alive. End of 48. Big ups. Big ups to this issue. Oh, I mean, fuck. wow. That was that was <laughs> just like emotionally lot. draining. But like, that is harsh. But, but that makes the next issue all the more sweeter, folks. We are going to issue 49. Flynn and Yardley, creative team. Last issue for tonight's episode as well, folks. The Chaotix, they're in tow with the Sandblasters for their prisoner exchange. Jack tells them to stick to the plan, but Ray is a little concerned. If Jack finds out we were using him for Mighty just to find his sister... Uh, Vector, though, has got a plan. When things go down, we break cover, get Mighty and his sister, and use the warp ring to get back to Angel Island. Leave Jack and the boys here to fend for themselves. Then, at the rendezvous point, Bo calls for Mighty, front and center. They've got a giant land cruiser. In the center, a metal ring with binds for the arms and legs. Mighty thinks this is kinda overkill, but the Baron says, we're helping you preserve your cover. Jack knows no measly cuffs can hold you. So, Mighty's loaded up. All so he can escape home without Matilda. All my searching and struggling was for her. To give her the family and the peace she never had. And again, Bo sympathizes. More than you can understand. <sighs> Yikes! <laughs> the Sandblasters arrive and start the lineup. Just as before, line up yours, I line up mine, we let them cross nice and easy. But in the case of Flex, you know, if we just let him go, he's going to rip this whole carrier in half. So he rejects Jack's ass of sending him first. We'll drop him off in the ring. We part our ways. Jack thinks this is generous of him, 
So what's the catch? Oh, oh, no catch. Catching your prize guy and having you to beg for him back? That's payment enough for me. Jack, not pleased with this embarrassment. And when he orders the crossing, one of the legionnaires in a hood winks at one of the Baron's prisoners. It's one of the sandblasters in disguise. This is an ambush. This is also a war crime for the record, but yeah, we're counting them out. Baron, the Baron thinks, Jack, this is low even for you. Orders the fire, but keep it safe though. Some of the guys in the robes are ours. Now is the time for the Chaotix to get in action. All right, boys, we grab Mighty, his sister. Get out of here. Keep it quick and simple, Chaotix. Jack overhears it. Mighty, why are they calling him? Run down, boss. They're one of the freedom fighters that we've, they've been lying to our faces since day one. Run them down! As they, uh, you know, just fucking floor and try to kill them on sight. But our man Vector ain't having that shit. He is holding the jeep back with his bare gloved hands. SBO is fighting them back. And Vector says, "Go, someone, go get Mighty. Charmy says, we're already on it. Ray's on the way. Then Mighty asks Bo, please let me go. I need to go help them. But, you know, if your cover is blown, Jack ain't just going to let us all go. Ray flies through the laser fire, gets on the deck of the cruiser, demanding Mighty be let go. But then Matilda comes in herself, grabbing Ray by the scarf. For the record, her arms are legionized. No one threatens the Baron. Mighty is distraught to see this scene. Just Bo is asking her to stop. This is no place for children to be at. And Ray is distressed to see that this is the person who Mighty's sister is. But she responds with, hey, that's what this guy said. The Baron agrees, though, so I guess it's true. And Ray says, listen, if that's the case, help us rescue your brother. We can all get to go home. Matoda responds, I have no home. And I have no feelings for this brother. Do what you want, but just leave me alone. Mighty is uh, starting to cry again. She she doesn't remember much of anything. She, she was roboticized too young. And, and then Ray snaps. Do you know how long he looked for you? How much it hurt him to think you were dead or gone forever? You may not remember him, but he remembers you. He loves you. I was lost too. Didn't age right with no one left to call family. Mighty took me in. Thanks to him, I've got a life now. He wants the same for you. You don't remember him? So what? You remember being alone, right? Scared? He won't ever leave you alone again. How can you not? He will always be there for you. Like he's always there for me. Mighty says it best. Wow, that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that really was. It's especially with Ray. I mean, the something we didn't really talk about is that Ray does have like a little speech impediment, but he just broke through it there, and it was beautiful. Absolutely, it was uh, the stuff of legends. Frankly, uh, <laughs> fortunately though, uh, the the beautiful moment does not last. One of the sandblasters comes onto the deck, getting in between them. Pistol in hand. Man, enemies are one thing, but Jack hates traitors especially. And this is going to be my ticket to get some respect around here. Then Matilda, she mutters behind him, Get away. She charges up her legionized arms from my brother, punches him in the back, and he is sent flying. Jack is fucking pissed. Fire on Flex and the Baron. Flex? And I see kids out there. I said fire! The order is given. And a giant rocket comes barely towards all of them. Tilly steps up to the plate. Directly in front of Mighty. Charges up her arm. And hits it. Dead fucking on. 
as she is blasted back. Mighty sees this, cries a little, and snaps. He instantly breaks the chains, gets on the ground, one of his arms still encased in that protective coating, the literal locks, and starts barreling towards Jack, screaming his name, throwing shit all over the fucking place as he runs for the fucking hair. But he is held back by Vector and Espio, telling him to let him go. Ray brings him back, anchors him, saying Matilda needs you. Then, after Mighty calms down, he runs back up to the deck and finds her body. A little time passes. The Chaotics are now inside the Legion encampment, outside a medical tent. Vector mentions how, you know, it's, it's a little weird that we fought against freedom fighters and we're hanging out with Eggman's lackeys right now. Espio then says, no crack about my allegiances then. Eh, not the time. Bo comes out of the tent wearing smocks. Done all I can for her for now. Mighty runs inside the rest of the Chaotics from behind. See Matilda. She is healthy. Safe, but missing an arm. Mighty is relieved. She says she feels weak, but safe. And we're all safe thanks to you. Matilda says she did not want to lose her brother again. And Mighty says, well, you got more than one. Ray, get in here. Vector gives him the little push in. The two meet properly. Ray says, well, you know, I... I always wondered what it'd be like to have a sister. And she's happy to have such good brothers. Oh, it's a happy moment. Oh. Ah, yes, yes. Such a a warm, happy moment. As Beauregard clears his throat. As I was saying, we've done all we can for her for now. She'll need a new arm, which needs bouncing, calibration, there's system damage, which we can take care of. But only here. As he elaborates, Matilda needs to stay with us. And for everyone's safety, you have to go. I'm sorry. Mighty, uh, does not take that news well. He says, no, 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 look, uh, I can put on a robe, I can go under a new name, but Bo just says, hey man, that ruse ain't gonna last forever. And look, you're not losing her, son. We will take care of her. And you can always visit, just, just carefully, okay? Vector reminds him at the end of the day, hey, you got us too. The Chaotics always take care of their own. And so, all happy. And rested. They activate the warp ring. The master emerald ain't gonna guard itself. And as they're gone, the Baron assures Matilda, we are gonna get you healed up and back with them as soon as we can. If there's anything I know, it is the pain of a family divided. As right behind him, we see the silhouette of one Bunny Rabot. That is the final shot that we have to work with on Sonic Universe 49. That's the end of that issue. That is the end of all the comics we got today. Folks, we I'm not going to lie. This uh, this episode had a little bit of a lull with the weird issues, but Sonic Universe saved us. Came back real strong. Did you expect emotional? Did you expect a, a tear in our eyes? Because Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, no, that, that shit got real. Like, real, real. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty intense. It's pretty good, though. You know... We were talking about dodo birds. We were talking about dinosaurs. We were talking about... What else were we talking about? Uh, oh, Tasmanian God. devils Tasmanian and tigers devils and well. tigers, you know? Oh, wow. Just, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of really in, in, extinct or endangered species, right? Right. I mean, you know, it's weird. You know, sometimes they think we can bring them back. But, I mean, we got... We got a whole movie trilogy saying maybe that's not the best idea, you know? Hey. So, um, why don't you guys think about some uh, dodo birds? Some 
dinosaurs, and some Tasmanian devils. When you join us for the next issue of the Archie Sonic Digest, a game-changing issue, if there ever was one.